Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Detox, Out with the Old, In with the New. In this series, Dr. Kelly is teaching us how to get rid of the old junk in our lives and make room for the new life that God has for us. Now here's Dr. Benji Kelly with today's podcast. You guys doing good? Welcome to uh, New Hope. We are so glad you are here. If you are a guest, we particularly want to welcome you to the house of God. We want to welcome all of our campuses. I'm speaking of the campus in Columbia, South Carolina, North Raleigh, Garner, Sanford, North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women, uh, the Coffee House community that's upstairs, Internet Campus, and, 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 and our Kenya Campus, which is having their grand opening on July 27th, just two weeks away. Would you celebrate the Kenya Campus? We have a group of people going. It's going to be awesome. We are so excited. Hey, I got a question for you. How's your soul? Just sang that great hymn. I could tell you really, really enjoyed it. It is well with my soul, right? How's your soul? We're doing a series called Detox. The first week, you might recall, I looked at the power of words. Talked about how to use our tongues to give life instead of death. How we need to watch what we say including the nasty language that we have a tendency to use, but also just building people up. Second week, I talked about the acid of anger. Third week, my good friend, Pastor Kevin Myers, spoke on the home run life. Remember that? Last week, Sharice talked about three R's. Regeneration, right? Resources, right? And then she talked about repentance. Unbelievable. Today, I want to talk to you about your soul. Or maybe another way of putting it is this. I want to talk to you about the restlessness of your soul. The what, church? The restlessness of your soul. Because here's what I know. This message applies to every single person here. Every single person here, I can categorically say without doubt that every single person here, at some point in time in your life, you deal with your soul being a little restless. And if you're anything like me, it's kind of cyclical, right? My whole Christian life, 25 years of following Christ, there have been seasons where I have been restless. There have been seasons where my soul has been at rest. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is a very practical message from the Word of the Lord where you and I can actually become people who allow our souls to rest in God and not be restless. And in fact, I might... Call it today the curse of restlessness. The curse of restlessness. Take out that purple worship guide, announcement guide. Turn it over on the back. Take some notes with me. I want to talk to you about the curse of restlessness. In fact, I get this from Genesis. If you know the Genesis story, Genesis 4, 11 and 12, you know the story of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. Abel gave a sacrifice, a gift that was acceptable. Cain did not. Cain got hacked off, killed his brother. And in that moment, we see God speak to the situation. And look at what the word of the Lord says. Genesis 4, 11 and 12. Now you are under a what, church? Help me out. You are under a 
curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a... Help me out. You'll be a what? You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And as I read the biblical narrative and I study humanity and I study my own life, there are many, many people, many of us included today here and at all of our campuses, whereby if we were honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that there are times in our lives where we just feel like a bunch of restless wanderers. I want to talk to us about that today. St. Augustine put it this way, or if you're a seminary student, St. Augustine. They debate such matters in seminary, you know. Is it St. Augustine? Is it St. Augustine? Who gives a flip? Say it how you want. Amazing saint of the early church. St. Augustine put it like this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our souls are, what is it? Our souls are what? Restless until they find rest in thee. What a great quote. Restless wanderers. So many of us have a restless soul. Come on, let's just admit it. I want to ask you to be very, very honest with me today. Between you and God, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands. I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. I just want you to to be very, very honest with me today. Are you a person who seems to be always searching but rarely finding? Are you interested in everything but very few things satisfy? Inwardly, we tend to be uptight. The RPMs on the dashboard of our lives are continually over in the red, if you know what I mean. Are you anxious, worried? Does your mind have a hard time shutting down? When you get in bed at night, does your body cry out for sleep, but your mind just won't shut off? Come on now. Oh, my Lord, we just got some traction right there. See, I told you, like, this is cyclical for me. I go through seasons, and about three or four weeks ago, my executive pastor, David Bennett, looked at me, and he goes, hey, bro, how long have you had sleeping issues? <laughs> I'm like, what you talking about, man? I ain't got sleeping issues. He said, right, well, I get an email from you like at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Clue, you might have sleeping issues. Just, just three or four weeks ago, he said that to me. Our souls are restless. The wisest man to ever grace planet earth, Solomon, would put it like this in Ecclesiastes 2, 22 and 23. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. Again, just... Be very honest with the Lord today. How many of you, you're, you're often so wound up on the inside and you find it difficult to calm your soul? 
Sometimes at night your mind just keeps racing. Be very, very honest with the Lord today about this subject matter. Because this is a subject matter that connects with everyone. And I need to let you know that when I apply what I'm teaching you today, my life takes on profound anointing and favor and impact. When I don't apply what I'm teaching you today, my life gets jacked up. I die on the vine. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good pastor. I'm teaching you what I've learned many times the hard way. How many of you, if you would admit, because I believe busyness is an epidemic in our culture, how many of you would admit that you feel pulled in too many directions? Show of hands, how many of you would admit, I feel pulled in too many... Oh, that's everybody. I mean, come on. If you're here and you have plenty of time in the day and you find yourself wondering, how am I going to fill my day? Let me see a show of hands. Wow. There was two of you. The rest of us would like to meet with you when it's over today so we can learn your secret. Hey, my, my family and I just got back from vacation, and uh, we were down at Myrtle Beach. And I'm going to give you a very graphic illustration, and I apologize, but I'm doing it on purpose because I think it really, really works. On Wednesday night, my family and I decided to go to Medieval Times. Have any of you ever done Medieval Times? Wow, a lot of you. It's a, it's a great, fun kind of dinner show. You go into this huge rectangular space, if you will, and you, you, know, you sit down and they bring the meal to you while you watch the kings and the horses and the soldiers and all reenact Medieval Times. Now, of course, they didn't do this at the show, but it got me actually thinking about something that I learned a long time ago that I haven't thought about in a long time. This saying, I'm pulled in too many directions, actually comes from a type of capital punishment that was brought about in the medieval times. And here's what they would do. I haven't shown you some of my good art in a while, and I can tell you've been wanting it, so I've got to draw a person for you, okay? I'm going to draw a human being. Glory, hallelujah. Pictionary, baby. That right there is hot. I got, let's give him a little bit of hair. How about an ear? Woo! Now, actually, I need to include the women in this, so we need to make this unisex. So let me draw, let me draw a dress here. Oh, that, that dress is too short. Hold tight, hold tight. Hold tight. Sister, have mercy. <laughs> the capital punishment that they would bring about the prisoner or the guilty or the convict in the medieval times, very crass, very horrendous, very hard to imagine, is that they would take the person and they would tie a horse to every limb. Maybe you've never heard this. And then they would cause those four horses to run in opposite directions, in many directions. And it would be one of the most brutal forms of death you can ever imagine. Now, here's what I stopped by to let you know today. 
If your life is pulled in too many directions, I understand that. That's the day and age in which we live. I understand many of you are parents, many of you are students, many of you have bills to pay, many of you have extracurricular activities, many of you need to make a living, etc., etc. I get all that. But if you just live life pulled in too many directions and you don't appropriate what I am about to teach you today, I'm here to let you know it can kill you. Your soul will die on the inside. Or, this has also killed many people physically. There will be a physical or a spiritual death. If you just live life pulled in all the directions, come on, come on, that you and I have to be pulled in to live in this day and age. But if you get what I'm about to tell you, then you will actually be able to go in many different directions with high bandwidth, efficiency, effectiveness. Your life will be better and you will be able to slay all the dragons that you need to slay if you do what the Bible teaches us about this one subject today. So if our souls are restless and we're all under a curse of restlessness, if you will, going all the way back to Genesis 4, the question becomes is, where do we find rest for our souls? Have you ever given that any thought? Where do we find rest? If you're a note taker, write this down. It's simple, but it is profound. Our soul finds rest in God alone. Our soul finds rest in God alone. Hear me out, church. There's no person. There's no thing. There's no experience. There's no vacation. There's no existential reality in your life that will give your soul rest. All of those are band-aids. The only thing that will give your soul rest is God. You got to know that. It is the only thing. Vacation. I just returned from vacation. One of the best vacations we've ever had as a family. Unbelievable with our kids. You know, sometimes kids, man, they can jack a vacation up. They, they, it was awesome. But I had this thought while I was on vacation. Instead of all of us trying to always dream about and imagine and, and be very anxious about getting to the next vacation, what if we created a life from which we didn't need to vacate? Hello. Don't get me wrong. I love vacation. Like I said, it was awesome. But instead of living from one vacation to the next, what if we created a life whereby we didn't need to escape? Then when we got vacation, it just became icing on the cake. We find our rest in God and God alone. Psalm 62, 1, all of our campuses really loud and strong. Let's go. Ready? Go. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. And thank you, Jesus. My soul finds rest where? 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 In God alone. Jesus Christ would echo this. In Matthew 11, look at what he says. Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, all you who are what? And what? And I will give you? Oh, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, one more time, you'll find what? Rest for your soul. How's your soul? How are you doing with this incredibly important subject matter? I'd say after you're a Christian, it's, it's the most important subject matter. Everything starts 
with what I'm about to talk to you about today. So how do we find that rest? If the rest comes from God and God alone, how do we find that rest? Here it is. If you're a note taker, here's the second thing. Be still before God. Be what? Now, come on, come on. That's the problem, isn't it? How many parents in the house, have you ever had a child that just won't stay still? <laughs> I mean, you're trying to do something and the child is just going nonstop, talking nonstop, blah, 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 blah. And what you want to say is, shut up! I'm not endorsing that language. But you want to say, hush up! Be what? Be what? Still. And quiet. Yeah, yeah. Be quiet. Be still. I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. <laughs> Be still. And here's the problem. Many of you, and probably me, I need to ask my mom about this, we were that child. And some of us have never grown out of it. Come on, come on, come on. Many of us have a hard time being Be still before God. I told you this is cyclical for me. I'm in a really good place right now, wouldn't you think? You know, coming off a of vacation, getting up, reading the Word every single day and all that kind of stuff. But about three or four weeks ago when my executive pastor asked me about my sleep issues, let me tell you about something else that happened. Two of you gave me a gift. Two new hopers gave me a gift within two days of each other. Got a gift one day and I got a gift the next day. Here's what one of you gave me. It's from Psalm 46.10. Can you guys read that? Say it out loud. Ready? Go. That's what you gave me. When did you gave me that? I thought, that's awesome. Thank you. The very next day, <laughs> another new hooper gave me this. What did it say? Now, I don't know if you're hard-headed, but I'm a little hard-headed. And sometimes God's got to do God's got to do stuff like that to get my attention, right? And I got the first one, and I thought, all right, that's cool. I got the second one. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> all right, I totally get it. I hung one in my office here at the church. I hung the other in my office at home. Psalm 46:10. Be still and know. I am God. How's your soul? Here's a way to ask that question. How are you at being still? <whistles> Psalm 131.2. Bible says this, But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul Within me, I've stilled my soul. How is your stillness? How do you do with quietness?
some of you are going bonkers right now. Saying, please speak. Our culture has become a rat race. Everything's about quickness. Everything is about speed. Everything with our technology is about speed and efficiency. And I get it and I love it and we use it as a church. But if we get caught up in that rat race and we don't develop and nurture the habit of being still before God, we'll die on the inside and ultimately on the outside. Here's the second thing, and i got to warn you, it's, it's no easier than the first. Here's the second thing. Be still. Here's the second thing. Wait for God. Now, how many of you just, you have all kind of patience? How many of you are like me? God, give me patience. But hurry up. You know? Right? 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 The week I talked about anger, the acid of anger. We had fun up in here talking about things like the Department of Motor Vehicle. Places straight from the pits of hell. I'm sorry if you work there. You need to get that place figured out. Why do we hate it? Because we have to wait. Why do we hate when we go play? I, I don't like to wait for things. I hate to wait for things. I told you that day, remember, if I'm in the grocery store, which I don't go to the grocery store much, but if I'm in the grocery store and you're in the line with 10 or less items, I'm going to count your items. Because <laughs> I don't want to wait. <laughs> wait. For God. You know how I do this? I actually learned this from Andy Stanley, first of all, when I was at a meeting with him and somebody asked him. This is what I do. This is how I be still and wait for God. I get up early. I just lost some of you right there. Real early. Like four o'clock early. Sometimes it's five. Some of you it might be six, eight, whatever. Whenever life gives you the leisure of getting up. But some of you need to readjust your schedule to do something else. I get up while the world is still quiet. While the kids are still sleeping. I open up the Bible with a cup of coffee. Amen. And I just read scripture. And sometimes I read large amounts of scripture and I'm flying through scripture. Other times it's like I'm in a glass bottom boat and I'm going real slow over the terrain of God's word and I'm just reading scripture and I'm asking God questions like this. Lord, what do you want to say to me today? God, what do you want to show me? God, what do I need to do today? Give me a word from you. And I don't stop until I feel like I get a word from God. Sometimes it takes me 10 minutes. 
Sometimes it takes me an hour. But I have had to learn the hard way that I must wait on God. Psalm 37, 7. Out loud, really strong. Ready? Go. Be still before the Lord and wait. See? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalm 135 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul, what? My soul, what? Waits. And on His word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. You know what watchmen would do in the Old Testament days? They would sit on the walls of the fortified cities. And the watchman's job was to sit there and just wait. Keep an eye out for the enemy and wait until the sun would come up and someone else would have duty and that one would leave. They just waited. And they knew every day the sun would go down and every day the sun would come up because it's always been that way. And the Bible saying... We have to learn to wait like a watchman. Before I go to the final thing, I want to just take a moment to address an issue that I believe is of epidemic proportions in our culture. There is something that has been thrust upon us in the 21st century that is an enemy of being still before God. It is an enemy of learning to wait before God. And I believe that if the church doesn't figure this one out, you're never going to be able to appropriate the message that I am talking to you about today. I am talking about the smartphone. Some of you are like, I don't have a smartphone. Mine's kind of dumb. Okay. But it can go to the computer, internet, but this little bad boy right here is an issue. Have you noticed? Have you just stopped to look around in the public arena today? Do you see what everyone is doing all the time? Oh, oh, I wonder what they said about me on Facebook. Oh, I better tweet that. Oh, driving down the road. Have you seen this? Have you noticed in the last five years you see more and more cars swerving at you? Over the line? Look closely at what they're doing. This is a wonderful device. I love it. On this smartphone, I can do sermon research. On this smartphone, I can start taking notes as sermon ideas come to me. On this smartphone, I can research how to be a better husband, a better dad, a better pastor. But on this smartphone, I can look at inappropriate websites that start killing my soul. On this smartphone, I can spend way too much time whereby I communicate to my wife and my children this thing is more important than they are. Moms, dads, how many of you at dinner table find yourself on the phone? Come on, how many of you, when you're supposed to be off work, see, we don't know how to cut it off anymore. How many of you, when you're supposed to be off work and your kids are trying to have some time with you or your spouse is trying to connect with you, brother, and you're too busy looking at ESPN? 
was on vacation, like I said. I took a picture of a family this week. I took a picture of an entire family in a restaurant. It was two adults, mom and a dad, and three teenagers. Every single one of them, all five of them were like this. The entire dinner. I took a picture of them. I didn't send it to the productions team, but I could show it to you. I took a picture of them. You're like, did they see you? No! Why? I want to show you something my wife and I found. We've given it to a few pastors on staff here. Might ought to give one to everyone, but we just gave it to a few. It's a box. Can y'all read that? Probably not. It says, be present. Because I want my pastors, when they work a hard day of ministry, I want you to bust your butt for this church. Work a hard day. But when you go home, I want you to cut it off. And so we gave them this box. Check this out. Just so you know, I'm not being a hypocrite up here. I haven't always done the best job with this. But I'm getting better. And now when I walk home, I put the phone in my office and I shut the door. And sometimes if something's busy going on, I got to do something there. You know, there are times when you got to break the rule. I'm talking about setting up a culture, a norm in your family where a family can still have dinner together uninterrupted where you can still be present with your spouse in the evening uninterrupted instead of checking Facebook a thousand fifty times a day. Phone, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We have journals in the resource center. I don't have time to explain it fully, but we have journals. Journals in the resource center. I just lost some of the guys who are like, journal, oh Lord. <laughs> I haven't always been the best journal, but I have about six or seven of them over the last 25 years where I go through seasons and I... I actually write when I have that time with the Lord in the morning. I write what God's teaching me. When I go to conferences or I hear people say things or whatever, I'm writing, I'm journaling what God is saying to me. I'm, I'm being diligent. I'm spending time with God. You can get these in the resource center. There's a letter from me on the front. I, I just heard my freaking phone beep. I did. Somebody just, I'm sure somebody just tweeted something. Now my tail, no, 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 forget that. That's so funny. It just went beep, beep, beep. Third and final thing, third and final thing. Reflect on God's goodness. You want to be still. You want to learn how to, to rest in God. The first one is be still before God. The first one is what? The second one is wait for God. You've got to develop patience. You've got to learn to wait on the Lord. And the third one is, I think this is huge, reflect on God's Goodness, way to go, church. Reflect on God's goodness. I am more convinced today than I've ever been before that one of the most important things that any believer can learn to develop in their life is an attitude of gratitude. Just get, just did it again. I got some of y'all messing with me right now. 
to get in the habit of articulating those things for which you're grateful. Some of you just need to be grateful. Some of you are way too ungrateful. Some of you are cynical. Some of you are jaded. Some of you have lost sight of how good God has been to you. Can I remind you that God is good? Can I remind you that God woke you up this morning and breathed into you the breath of life? He did not have to. Can I remind you that you live in one of the greatest countries on the planet, the United States of America? I know she's jacked up. I know she's got issues. I know there's violence. I know there's political parties that can't get along. I know we're in this illegal immigration deal. But can I just tell you, we live in a great country. You have a great church. You live in one of the greatest areas in our country. The Carolinas, right? Maybe you're watching this somewhere on the internet and you think you live somewhere better. You have every right to be wrong. God is good. And I, I've learned that when I be still before God, when I wait on God, and when I reflect on God's goodness, it is that attitude of gratitude that opens up the windows of heaven, that brings forth the favor and the blessings and the abundance of Almighty God. Think about it as a parent. How many of you, how many of your parents, show of hands, all of our campuses, parents, parents, parents. How many of you have had your children be ungrateful? What do you want to do when your child is ungrateful? Somebody said, smack them. <laughs> what do you want to do, mom or dad, when you cook a dinner for them? You slave in the kitchen and they turn their nose up at it? What do you want to do to them when you take them on vacation and you're dropping a couple thousand dollars, right? And they're ungrateful? What do you want to do? Like, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Well, that, all right, all right. Why do we think it's any different with God? He's our heavenly parent. Come on, come on. When I'm ungrateful for all the good things God has done for me, I believe I cut off the blessings of God because if my child is ungrateful, I might not smack him. Then again, I might. But I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give them anything else. Right? You ungrateful in the Kelly home, life will be miserable for you. I believe the same is true for God. I believe the same way it offends a parent. I believe it offends God. When, when we, because we're God's children, He is our heavenly parent. He is our heavenly Father. When I'm ungrateful, I just cut it all off. I cut off the blessings and the favor, the protection, the anointing that flows from God when God finds a child who is willing to be still before God, wait on God, and regularly reflect on God's goodness. I know some of you have had a hard life, but you're still kicking, beloved. You're still breathing. The sun still came up today. You still got a good life. God's not done with you. 
And if he's not done with you, the best is yet to come. Reflect on God's goodness. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and bless you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a what? Reflect on God's goodness. Let me wrap up with this. One of the most powerful books I ever read was the smallest book I've ever read. Highly recommend it. Write this down if you're a note taker. You can get it online for like $2.99. My Heart, Christ's Home. I couldn't find my other copies, so I had my assistant order four of them this week. My Heart, Christ's Home. This book, I read this book when I was 18 years old. I just became a Christian. My student pastor recommended it to me. But in this book, Dr. Robert Munger talks about one of the most life-changing truths that we find in Scripture is that God will come into a person and take up residency. Like God will actually come into your life and make his home there. Thus the title, My Heart, Christ's Home. Now I want to read some parts of this book because he says it so much better than I can. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes these words, that God may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. Or, as another has translated, that Christ may settle down and be at home in your hearts by faith. Without question, one of the most remarkable Christian doctrines is that Jesus Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit, will actually enter a heart, listen to me, settle down and be at home there. Christ will live in any human heart that welcomes him. And then what Munger does, I'm not going to read it all, but then what he does is the rest of the pages of this little booklet, he talks about the different rooms in your heart, in your life. So he talks about, for example, the dining room. And he talks about how, as a result of meeting with God daily and walking with God and reading God's Word and praying, that God came in and cleaned up the dining room of his life. He talks about the way in which God showed him that some of the main dishes that he really liked to feast upon were dishes of fame. And my phone just rang again. Dishes of money. Dishes of popularity. And he talks about how God came in and cleaned up that room. Then he goes to the rec room. And he talks about how as he walked with God and kept meeting with God and praying with God and reading God's Word, that God started to actually clean up the rec room, the recreational room of his life, and God started to show him some of the magazines he was looking at was not appropriate, some of the websites he was looking at, some of the things that he did for quote-unquote entertainment was not God-honoring. So God cleaned up the rec room of his life. Oh, then he talks about the study how God came into the study of his life once God took up residency in his heart and God started cleaning up what he read and how he edified his mind and grew in Christ. And fascinating as you just read through and through and through how once you let Christ in, if you'll be still with God, if you'll wait on God, if you reflect on God's goodness, then what will happen is God will start to clean up all these different rooms in your life. But let me read the last part. Because I'm here to tell you that this one truth that I'm about to read to you changed my Christian life forever at a very young age. I had just received Christ. It is this one truth 
that totally revolutionized the idea of me spending quiet time with God daily. He says, so morning after morning, I would go downstairs to the living room. He's kind of using this imaginary metaphor, God coming in, taking up residence. I would go downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, open it, and we would read it together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truth, record it on its pages, and make my heart sing as he shared all that he had done for me and would be for me. Those times together were wonderful. Through the Bible and His Holy Spirit, God would talk to me. In prayer, I would respond. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times of personal conversation. However, now come on, is this not our story? I've been here a hundred times. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little this time began to be shortened. Why? I'm not sure. Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special, regular time to be with Christ. This was not a deliberate decision, you understand. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days in a row, such as during midterms or finals. Matters of urgency demanding my attention were continually crowding out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. Often I would miss it two days in a row or more. One morning, powerful, last couple paragraphs, watch this. One morning I recall rushing down the steps in a hurry to be on my way to an important appointment. As I passed the living room, the door was opened. Glancing in, I saw a fire in the fireplace and Jesus sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, it came to me. He is my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come to be my savior and friend to live with me. Yet here I am neglecting him. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in And with a downcast glance, I said, Master, I'm sorry. Have you been here every morning? Watch this. This is the truth that has forever changed me. And if you're here, it'll change you. He said, yes. I told you I would be here to meet with you. I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked him to forgive me, and he did, as he always does, when we acknowledge our failures and want to do the right thing. He said, The trouble is that you have been thinking of the quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me also. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed your life. I value your fellowship. Watch this. This is God talking to him. I value your fellowship. Just to have you look up into my face warms my heart. Don't neglect this hour if only for my sake. 
whether or not you want to be with me, remember, I want to be with you. I really love you. Don't just think of time with God daily or three times a week or whatever works for you. Don't think of that time where it's just you and the Lord. Don't think of that just as your time, just as something for you. God loves you. God longs to be with you. So while this will mess you up, what you actually need to understand is life that equips you to be the best wife and best husband you can be. To be the vocational winner that you know God is calling you to be. To fulfill Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a future and a hope for you. To be the best parent you can be. To be the best Christian you can be. It is not to be pulled in all of these different directions, but it is actually to find your center in Christ. And by doing so... This is not about not being busy. This is not about finding a life where you lay around on the couch all day long and eat Doritos, young adult. This is not about any of those things. This is about finding my center in Christ. And from doing that, everything else radiates outward. Jesus becomes, instead of a spoke on the wheel of my life, Jesus becomes the hub of my life. And when I center myself in Christ, my bandwidth increases, my leadership capacity increases, my parenting ability increases, the type of spouse I can be increases, but it all starts with God. Daily finding the ability to soothe our souls, if you will, by the streams of solitude and letting Christ be my anchor. Out with the old, in with the new, in with Christ at the center. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, so much easier said than done. But God, here's what I know that I know. The most effective people at life, the most effective people in the home, the most effective people in the workplace are those people, God, who have figured out exactly how to be still before you. As a parent would say to a child, hush, be still. May we be your children that learn to speak those same words to our souls. To learn to wait on you. To learn to reflect daily upon your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Be still. My soul.
Amen. There was a time when I understood, or at least I thought I did. I'm learning brokenness. Confusion has consumed my entire being. I've been caught in this tornado of hurt, sadness, anger, confusion, whatever the emotion, pain is the loudest voice. Like a bomb went off and all I hear is a deafening silence full of questions. The enemy has struck and the ripples of sin have made their way into everything, leaving scars and holes in my soul and I am buried in sorrow. I long for healing, to be free of this, to set others free of this, to be whole again, but I am broken. In this strange new world, I do not trust my eyes or my ears, for the reality I once knew seemed so certain. But perception isn't always reality. to navigate out of this mess. Show me the way. Perhaps I was blind or closed, but now I am open and I need new air. Fresh, pure air. Breathe. It's a mess. This whole thing is a mess and I want nothing to do with it. I want to escape and not look at it anymore. I am here, where you want me to be. I am not alone in this brokenness, for it is not I who am in need, but us, them, her, him. Hear the cry of those calling for rescue, for their pain is greater than mine. Bring healing. We need healing. You are the healer. In my brokenness, I reach for you. And while the pain remains, I feel the warmth of healing within reach. I feel you moving within me. And through the brokenness, there is hope. There is good. There is peace. There is forgiveness, there is love, there is a way out, there is restoration, there is healing, there is you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. 
May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.